Hello, and welcome to Filled with His Love. We run into people now and again who say things like, Hey, look, it's either my way or the highway. In other words, they hold tenaciously to their position, even when better alternatives are presented to them. They seem inflexible or immovable. And that means they are not very good team players. They like to go it alone. In attachment language, they are avoidant. But cognitive rigidity goes even farther than avoidant attachment. It means that they have a hard time changing their mind once they've stated their position. This can have obvious negative effects on relationships. When someone is cognitively rigid, they stop talking. They've made up their mind, and that's it. In marriage, this can be a disaster because one of the primary indicators of a good marital communication pattern is how the couple handles conflict. Can they keep talking with each other when they disagree, keep trying to understand the other's point of view, keep open to a different way of doing things or thinking through things? But it has implications way beyond marriage. Think of leaders, for example. Do you want to work for a leader who is open and flexible, or one who is rigid and immovable? Pretty simple. The traits of cognitive rigidity and social rigidity affect every day, affect us every day, all day. Some have asked me the question about the qualities I look for in a leader. My first response has always been flexibility. Rigid thinkers kill creativity, innovation, and progress. Flexible thinkers nurture these things. Now, here's a new study just published about how cognitive rigidity and social rigidity correlate with each other. Psychologists have previously done research on these two traits separately, but this is the first study that looks at the effects of cognitive rigidity on social rigidity. So the study caught my eye because in this podcast we are interested in the social aspects, the ability of people to form healthy, secure, long-lasting relationships. So cognitive rigidity determines one's ability to solve problems. The cognitively rigid person is one who see th sees things only one way and has a hard time considering a different point of view. You might remember a previous episode when I talked about intolerance of uncertainty. For the cognitively rigid person, uncertainty or ambiguity are hard to handle. The cognitively rigid person has a low tolerance of uncertainty. The rigid person likes things to be certain, simple, straightforward, cut and dried. They don't like to tackle complex problems that don't have obvious answers. Now, let's think of the socially rigid person. This person is extremely conservative. They are often xenophobic, which means they are always suspect of people from other nations or cultures. They see things their own way and believe that others should see things their way as well. They can be susceptible to nonsensical assertions, things that really do not make sense at all. But they kind of lean toward those sometimes because they are not good discerners of truth. They might subscribe to conspiracy theories. This can even take place with the, with the cognitively rigid or socially rigid person. 
Social rigidity makes it difficult for them to form healthy relationships because they are unbendable and quick to disagree. So here's a quote from the study, one of their conclusions. The researchers noted that being a good problem solver requires the ability to overcome rigid perspectives, seek alternative reasoning paths, and tolerate ambiguity. They argued that this thinking skill is reflected in other forms of social reasoning, such as being open-minded and questioning established norms. In contrast, individuals with high social rigidity tend to be less flexible in their thinking, which hinders their problem-solving abilities. So these two things relate to each other, social rigidity and cognitive rigidity. My short summary of this conclusion is that rigidity hurts people. Being rigid makes it more difficult for them to solve complex problems. They're less creative, less productive, and less fulfilled in life. And they suffer in their relationships because they're always frustrated when others see things differently than they do. Okay, so now here's a big jump. Think of the Savior when he walked the earth. Certain people gravitated to him, while others spurned him, attacked him, and eventually crucified him. Those who accepted his teachings had to be open and flexible. His teachings were quite radical at that time. He was trying to help them get beyond the law of Moses, an eye for an eye, and help them see that they should love each other as he loved them. Radical. He taught them that the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath, that it was okay to heal someone on the Sabbath. Radical. He tried to help them understand that he came to earth to save everyone from physical and spiritual death. Very radical. And sometimes even those who loved him and revered him as the Son of God had difficulty fully comprehending what he was teaching them. Sometimes a little rigidity even infiltrated his disciples. Now, let's take Nicodemus. An interesting case point. Nicodemus was a Pharisee and member of the Sanhedrin. These religionists were threatened by Jesus. They were definitely socially rigid and cognitively rigid, in my estimation. They had their set of rules— Scores of them, actually. A lot of rules. And they knew down deep that those rules could not be challenged. But Jesus was challenging those rules. Every time they criticized him, he tried to teach them that there was a higher, holier way. But they would have nothing of it. They, res they resented him, basically. They feared him, even loathed him. And all because of their rigidity, their unwillingness, their inability to think in a new way, to accept a new idea, it hurt them. But Nicodemus, even though he was a well-known member of the Sanhedrin, was not quite so rigid. He opened himself to Jesus' teachings. No cognitive or social rigidity, just openness. And look where it led him. He tried to persuade his colleagues that Jesus was actually who he said he was. But they would not listen because of their rigidity. Then, when Jesus was crucified, Nicodemus was there, providing the necessary spices. He was there to help Joseph of Arimathea prepare Jesus' body for burial. From the limited account that we have, Nicodemus developed a love 
for Jesus, an acceptance of him, a belief in him, a reverence for him. What act could be a greater show of devotion and love and attachment than helping to prepare Jesus' body for burial, which Nicodemus did? Now we come to our day. We have living prophets, seers, and revelators, special witnesses who have been ordained and commissioned to testify of the Savior and help us, all of God's children, navigate mortality right now, today, in our time. The question I ask myself is, can I be as open as Nicodemus? Can I be flexible enough to accept a new way of thinking, a new way of doing things? Can I be as devoted to the Lord as Nicodemus was? This is actually a daily question we could ask ourselves. It's not a one-and-done decision. Every new teaching that flows from those we sustain as living prophets is a new invitation. Will we respond as the Sadducees and Pharisees did, or will we be open to the newness and embrace it and live it? These questions have so much to do with our relationship to God and with each other. When we're with others, we can help draw them closer to the Lord, or we can push them further away, just by the way we talk to them. We can be socially flexible and try to understand why a friend or family member sees things differently than we do. We can be flexible in how we respond and flexible in how we move forward in any relationship we have, We can avoid cognitive and social rigidity and be open to all the blessings that are waiting for us if only we can accept them, grab hold of them, and express gratitude for them. Think of the blessings that were, in a sense, waiting for the Sanhedrin, for those Sadducees and Pharisees, those religionists that were so set in their ways. There were blessings that the Lord wanted to give them, was eager to give them, but they couldn't open themselves to them. They were too rigid, too stuck in the past, too unwilling to consider new ways of thinking and being and living. So these are questions I think we ought to ask ourselves often. Because when prophets come out with invitations to us, and President Nelson has had no shortage of invitations, he has given so many invitations to us as members of the Church of Jesus Christ. And now it is up to us to say, will we open ourselves to those? Will we do all we can to follow them? Or will we be closed and just want to do it the same old way that we've always done it? No, I hope we will open ourselves and receive all the blessings that really the Lord is waiting and eager to give us. I hope this is helpful, and we will see you next time.